Section 5 of The Wit and Humor of America, Volume 9. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Henry Niemark. The Widow Bedott's Visitor by Francis M. Witcher. Just in time, Mr. Crane, we've just this minute sat down to tea. Draw up a cheer and said bye. Now, don't say a word. I shan't take no for an answer. Should have had things rather different, to be sure, if I'd suspected you, Mr. Crane. But I won't apologize. Apologies don't never make nothing no better, you know. Why, Melissa, you hain't half sat the table. Where's the plum sass? Thought you was a-gwine to get some out for tea. I don't see no cake, nother. What a curious gal you be. Do bring em on quick, and Melissy, dear, fetch out one of them pumpkin pies and put it warmin. How do you take your tea, Mr. Crane? Clear, hey? How much that makes me think a husband. He always drunk his and clear. Now do make yourself to her, Mr. Crane. Help yourself to things. Do eat Johnny cake? Cause if you don't, I'll cut some white bread. Do you, hey? We're all great hands for injun bread here, especially here. If I don't make a Johnny cake every few days, he says to me, he says, Ma, why don't you make some injun bread? It seems as if we had never had none. Melissy, pass the cheese. Here, see it, Mr. Kane has butter. This here butter's a little grain frowsy. I don't want you to think it's my make for tea. Sam Prendergast's wife, uh, she was Sally Smith, she buried butter in me the other day, and this is what she sent back. I wouldn't have had it on if I'd suspected company. How do you feel today, Mr. Cray? Didn't take no cold last night. Well, I'm glad on it. I was rally afeard you would. The lecture room was so terrible hot. I was any most roasted, and I want dressed. Wonderful warm nother. I had on my green silk man killer, and that ain't very thick. Take a pickle, Mr. Crane. I'm glad your favorite pickles. I think pickles a delightful beverage. Don't feel as if I could make out a meal without em. Once in a while I go visitin' where they don't have none on the table, and when I get home the first thing I do is to dive for the buttery and get a pickle. But husband couldn't eat em. There was like pies and to him. Melissy never eats em, nother. She, she ain't no pickle hand. Some gals eat pickles to make em grow poor, but Melissy ain't no such foolish notions. I brung her up so she shouldn't have. Well, I've heard a gals drinkin' vinegar to thin em off and make their skin delicate. They say Kaiser Winkle. Why, Kier, what you been pokin' the sass at Mr. Crane for? Melissy just helped him. I heard Carline Gallop say how Kaiser Winkle. Why, Kier, what do you mean by offering the cold pork to Mr. Crane? Just as if he wanted pork for his tea? You see, Kier's been over at the hollow today on business with old Uncle Dawson, and he come home with quite an appetite, says to me, says he, Ma, do you sit on some cold pork and taters, for I'm as hungry as a bear. Let me fill up your cup, Mr. Crane. Melissa, bring on that or pie? I guess it's warm by this time. There, I don't think anybody'd say that punk was Bertha Stewart. Take another pickle, Mr. Crane. Oh, I was a-gwine to tell what Carline Gallup said about Kaiser Winkle. Carline Gallup was a maddie maker. What, Kier? rather apt to talk well i know she was but then she used to be so and told winkles about half the time and she knowed pretty well what went on there yes i know sewing gals is generally tattlers but i was gwine to tell what carline gallop said carline was a very stiddy gal she was married about a year ago married joe bennett philander bennett's son you remember phil bennett don't you mr crane he was killed so sudden over to Ganderfield. though come to think 
it must have been arter you went away from here he'd move over to canderfield the spring before he was killed well one day in hand time he was to work in the hayfield take another piece of pie mr crane oh do i insist on it well he was to work in the hayfield and he fell off the haystack i suppose twouldn't have killed him if it hadn't been for his coming kermash onto a jug that was a-settin' on the ground aside side of the stack the spine of his back went right into the jug and broke it broke his back i mean not the jug that wasn't even cracked curse wasn't it it was quite a comfort to miss bennett in her affliction twas a jug she valued well if one twas her mother's take another cup of tea mr kramer why you don't mean to say you've got done supper ain't you gwine to take nothing more no more of the pie nor the sass oh that reminds me i was gwine to tell what carline gallop said about kaiser winkler well why keir seems to me you ain't very polite to leave the table before anybody else does oh yes i remember now it's singing school night i suppose it's time you was off melissa you want to go too don't you well i guess mr crane will excuse you we'll just set back the table agin the wall i won't do the dishes just now me and melissy does the work ourselves mr crane i hate kept no gal since melissy was big enough to aid and assist me i think helps more plague than profit no woman that has growed up daughters needn't keep help if she's brung up her gals as she'd ought to melissy dear put on your cloak it's a pretty tedious evening here you tie up your throat you know you was complaining of a soreness in to-day and you must be carefully tied up when you come home it's dangerous to expose yourself out of singing i have to give a body the brown critters that's terrible you couldn't sing any more if you should get that you know you'd better call for mirandy and selene hadn't you don't be out late now mr crane draw up to the store you must be chilly off there you gwine to the party of major coon's day out tomorrow suppose they'll give out their invitations to-morrow do go mr crane it'll chirk you up and do you good to go out into society again they say it's to be quite numerous but i guess there won't be no dancing or hidey-tidy doings if i thought there would be i shouldn't go myself for i don't approve on em and couldn't countenance em what do you think sam pendergrass's wife told me she said half the widder jenkins she twas paul bingham is a having a new gown to made a purpose to wear to the party one of these air flambergasted blazing plaid consons with two awful white catering flounces around the skirt did you ever how ridiculous for a woman of her age ain't it i suppose she expects to astonish the natives and make her market too like enough well she's to be pitied oh mr crane i thought i should go off last night when i see that old critter squeeze up and hook on to you how turble impertinent want it but seems to me i shouldn't have felt as if i was obliged to went home with her if i'd have been in your place mr crane she made a pretty speech about me to the lecture i'm most ashamed to tell you aunt mr crane but it shows what the critter is Kitty says he hears her stretch her neck across and whispered oh green mr green don't you think the widder bedott seems to be wonderfully took up with craniology she's the brazen-facedest critter to ever lived it does bit all i never did see her equal but it takes all sorts of folks to make up the world you know what did i understand you to say mr crane a few minutes conversation with me deary me is it anything particular oh mr crane oh dear sirs how you do frustrate me not that it's anything uncommon for the gentleman to ax to have private conversation with me you know but then but then being you is different circumstances alter cases you know what was you gwine to say mr crane 
oh no mr crane i'd no manner of means tain a minute too soon for you to begin to talk about getting married again i am amazed you should be afraid i think so see how long's miss crane been dead six months land of goshen why i've knowed a number of individuals get married in less time than that there's phil bennett's widow ty was talking about just now she twas louise pass her husband hadn't been dead but three months you know i don't think it looks well for a woman to be in such a hurry but for a man it's a different thing circumstances alter cases you know and then situated as you be mr crane it's a terrible thing for your family to be without a head to superintend the domestic concerns and attend to the children to say nothing to yourself mr crane you do need a companion and no mistake six months good grievous why squire titus didn't wait but six weeks after he buried his first wife before he married his second i thought there wa not no particular need of his hurry and so seeing his family was all growed up such a critter as he picked out too twas very unsuitable but everybody to his taste i hain't no disposition to meddle with nobody's concerns there's old farmer dawson too his partner hadn't been dead but ten months to be sure he ain't married yet but he would have been long enough ago if somebody i know on't given him any encouragement but tain't for me to speak of that matter he's a clever old critter and as rich as a jew but lawful sakes he's old enough to be my father and there's mr smith jupiter smith you know him mr crane his wife she twas uh, a rory pike she died last summer and he's been squinting round among the women ever since and he may squint for all the good it'll do him so far as i'm concerned though mr smith's a respectable man quite young and hain't no family very well off too and quite intellectible but i'm pretty particular oh mr crane it's ten years come january since i witnessed the expiration of my beloved companion an uncommon long time to wait to be sure but tain't easy to find anybody to fill the place of hezekiah bedott i think you're the most like my husband of every individual i ever see mr crane six months murderation chorus you should be afeard i think twas too soon why well, i've note mr crane then says well widder i've been thinking about taking another companion and i thought i'd ask you and the widow replies oh mr crane excuse my commotion it's so unexpected just hand me that or bottle of camphor off the mantelish shelf i'm rather faint do put a little mite on my handkerchief and hold it to my nose there that'll do i'm obliged to you now i'm rather more composed you may proceed mr crane and mr crane says well widder i was a-going to ask you whether whether and the widow says continue mr crane do i know it's terrible embarrassing i remember when my diseased husband made his suppositions to me he stammered and stuttered and was so awfully flustered it did seem as if he'd never get it out in the world and i suppose it's generally the case at least it has been with all of them that's made suppositions to me you see they generally aren't certain about what kind of an answer they're a-gwine to get and it kind of makes em nervous but when an individual has reason to suppose his attachments reciprocated i don't see what need there is of his being frustrated though i must say it's quite embarrassing to me pray continue mr c says well then i want to know if you're willing i should have melissy the widow says the dragon mr c says i ain't said anything to her about it yet 
fault. The proper way was to get your consent first. I remember when I courted Tryphony, we were engaged some time before Mother Kniep knew anything about it, and when she found out it, she was quite put out because I didn't go to her first. So when I made up my mind about Melissa, who thinks me, I'll do it right this time and speak to the old woman first. The widow says, Old woman, hey, that's a pretty name to call me. Amazing polite, too. Want Melissy, hey? Tribulation, gracious sakes alive. Well, I'll give it up now. I always knowed you was a simpleton, Tim Crane, but I must confess I didn't think you was quite so big a fool. Want Melissy, do you? That don't beat all. What an everlasting old calf you must be to suppose she'd look at you while you're old enough to be your father and more, too. Melissy ain't only in her twenty-one year. What a ridiculous idea for a man of your age. As gray as a rat, too. I wonder what this world is coming to. It is astonishing what fools old widowers who are making themselves have Melissy. Melissy, Mr. Crane says. Why, widower, you surprise me. I had no idea of being treated in this way after you'd been so polite to me and made such a fuss over me and the girls. Widow says. Shut your head, Tim Crane. None of your sass to me. There's your hat on that art table, and here's the door, and the sooner you put on one and march out the other, the better it'll be for you. And I advise you, before you try to get married again, to go out west and see if your wife's cold. And out of your satisfied on that pint, just put a little lamp black on your hair to add to your appearance, undoubtedly, and be of service to you when you want to flourish round among the gals. And when you've got your hair fixed, just splinter the spine of your back. Twouldn't hurt your looks a mite, and be entirely unresistible if you was a little grain straighter. Mr. C says, Well, I never. The widow says, Hold your tongue, you consarned old coot, you. I tell you, there's your hat and there's the door. Be off with yourself, quick meter. I'll give you a heist with a broomstick. Mr. C says, Gemini. Widow rising, Get out, I say. I ain't a gwine to stand here and be insulted under my own ruff. And so get along. And if ever you darken my door again or say a word to Melissa, it'll be the worse for you. That's all. Mr. C says, Tremendous. What a buster. The widow says, Go along, go along, go along, you everlasting old gum. I won't hear another word. She stops up her ears. I won't, I won't, I won't. Exit Mr. Crane. Enter Melissy, accompanied by Captain Canute. Good evening, Captain. Well, Melissy, home at last, hey? Why didn't you stay till morning? Purty business keep me up here so late waiting for you when I'm any most tired to death ironing and working like a slave all day. Ought to been a bed an hour ago. Thought you left me with agreeable company, hey? I should like to know what athlete reason you had to suppose old Cranes was agreeable to me. I always despised the critter. Always thought it was a terrible fool, and now I'm convinced on it. I'm completely disgusted with him, and I let him know it tonight. I get him a piece of my mind. I guess he'll be apt to remember for a spell. I'd rather think he went off with a flea in his ear. Why, Captain, did you ever hear of such a piece of audacity in all your born days? For him, Tim Crane, to durst expire to my hand, the widow of Deacon Bedott. Just as if I'd condescend to look at him, the old numbskull. He don't know B from a broomstick, but if he'd have stayed much longer, I'd have teached him the difference, I guess. He's got his walking ticket now. I hope he'll let me alone in future. And where's Keir? Gone home with the Cranes, hey? Well, I guess it's the last time. And now, Melissa Bedott? You ain't to have nothing more to do with them gals, do you hear? You ain't to associate with them at all out of this. You'll only be encouraging the old man to come and pester me again, and I won't have him round, do you hear? Don't be in a hurry, Captain, and don't be alarmed at my getting in such a passion about old Crane's presumption. Maybe you think twas on feeling of me to use him so, and I don't say but what twas, rather. But then he's so awful disagreeable to me, you know. 
Tain't everybody I treat in such a way. Well, if you must go, good evening. Give my love to Hanner when you ride again. Do you call frequently, Captain Canute? Do. End of The Widow Bedott's Visitor Read by Henry Nemark